Welcome back, crime fanatics. This is Steph. And I'm Kat, and you're listening to episode three of True Crime Project. Thanks for sticking with us. You're either a glutton for punishment or you're twisted like us. Either way, we're glad to have you here. Hang out with us outside the show and see what we are up to on Instagram and Twitter at True Crime Project. We post pictures from the show, but we also post other things that we just find funny or entertaining. We want to hear from you. If you want to share a story with us, we'd be glad to share it on the podcast as well. Email us at truecrimeprojectpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Yes. Email us unsolved cases that you want to get attention. One that comes to mind right now is Amaya Robertson. So... There has been a little bit of new development. I don't know if any of you have been following this case. Um, A little eight-month-old girl last March went missing. Her um, mom's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend now, I don't know if he was her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend at the time, I'm assuming boyfriend, um, planned to drop her off at the babysitter, and the babysitter said he never brought her there. He returned without the baby, and she's never been seen since. Um. So it's basically just been nothing. Like, they have no idea what happened to her. Well, they finally just started um, with a dive team looking for her. But I feel like, I mean, it's been six months now. I hope to God they do find her. Obviously, I would love to see a happy outcome in this case, even though my heart tells me that there isn't going to be one here. Um, But... Email us any of the cases like this around that you are aware of that you want to see get some attention. Um, And just actually, I just saw another case. Did you see this one, Steph, with um, they found that little girl, Camille McKinney, I think his last name. They called her Cupcake. Yes, I saw that she was found. But I don't know anything about, like, the backstory of it. Do you? Okay. So, apparently she was at a birthday party. Um, now, this is in Birmingham, Alabama. She was at a birthday party, and I don't know if she... So, there is a video, and they actually have arrested people in the case as well. So, the little girl in the video is, like, walking. You see one adult go by, and then the next one stops, and she ends up walking away with one of the adults and it just makes your heart sink into Mm. your butt because it's, I mean, it's awful. And then to find out that she's found and this absolute piece of dumpster fire human put her in literally, actually I did not mean to connect those two like that. (laughs) I just like to call people dumpster fires when they're trash, but they put her in a dumpster like she was trash, and that's just the worst thing you can do, in my opinion. Like, it's just, ugh, it's heartbreaking. It really I'm glad is. for the family that they have closure, that they're able to put her to rest. But I was really hoping for a good outcome on this case as well. It's only been, uh, I don't know, over a week, maybe 10 days since she went missing, and I was really hoping for a good one on that one, but unfortunately, not so much. There's too, been too many cases involving little kids just disappearing lately. I know. It's so heart wrenching. Yep. 
Um, I did want to bring up the the Zodiac Killer for a minute because I was going through a bunch of like true crime book lists online, and that oh. book made like the top five of every list that I looked at. Um, I haven't read it, and I know you haven't read it, Cat, but I have not. If anybody has read it or has any good true crime books to recommend to us, like DM us on Instagram at True Crime Project. So that way, like, we can read more and, you know, just get our hands on every little detail that we can about any case. Yeah, I mean, I'll pretty much read anything somebody recommends to me. So for sure. And I, I should grab Zodiac, actually, when I go to the library. Maybe I'll do put that on my to-do list. Yeah, I might take a trip to Barnes & Noble tomorrow for that one. Ooh, the last <laughs> time I was at Barnes & Noble, speaking of, um, there is a book there that's called The Encyclopedia of Serial Killers. And I think I walked around with the book for about 45 minutes before I finally put it back because I was like, do I really need this book? But it's been like a month now, and all I can think about is this damn book, so I'm probably going to go buy that, too. <laughs> well, I mean, what was that again? What book was it called? Let me write that down. <laughs> the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers. Oh. Uh, I'll get <laughs> it, and then when I come to see you I in June. I feel Jan- like I need this in my library. I just don't know why I need this in my library. <laughs> Well, I'll get it, and then when I come up in January, I'll bring it up for you to look at to see if you actually want to buy it. Yes, we're going to have a very special episode in January. (laughs) We'll fill you in on that later, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So I do want to give a shout-out, if I just can, really quick. I was running a little late today because... so. My neighbor took a fall. It's, my neighbor's <laughs> name is also Cat, so it's Cat and Cat. Haha. And <laughs> um, she took a fall earlier, so I ended up driving her to ur- urgent care. But I'm glad she just emailed me, and she didn't break anything, so I'm happy. And shout out to her. Did you say Hope she? She's feeling much better, huh? Did you say she emailed you? Uh, messaged me. Did oh, I say email? You sure did. <laughs> well, that's because I want all of our listeners to email me and tell me what they want to hear. But really, she just sent me a text message. <laughs> I was but, like, yeah. did she email really? Emails on the brain. What? I said I got emails on the brain. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, so last episode, I told you about one of my hometown cases, but today... Steph is going to tell us about one of her local cases. Okay, so today I have for you um, Matthew J. Hoffman. He was born on November 1st, 1980, which is ironically, my dad was born on November 1st also. Um, there, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's an icky connection. I know. <laughs> Don't like, like. <laughs> There isn't much that I had read on his, like, early life, but I was listening to um, the podcast True Crime All the Time, and they did a podcast on Matthew Hoffman, and they actually found a little bit of their of his early life, um, and they covered it really well, so I'm not going to reiterate that if you want to li- go and listen to their episode on that. Um, yeah. 
I will. <laughs> this is actually a new one to me, this true crime all the time. So I'm going to have to put that on my list. They're actually from Ohio as well. So maybe if we get enough followers, they'll want to collab sometime, which would be really cool. Um, that would be amazing. I'll be honest, I'd be happy if any podcast wanted to collaborate with us, but oh my that's God. just me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Um, so one step at a time, (laughs) I know I'm getting really way ahead of us for that, but (laughs) so in 2011, not 2011, 2001, he was arrested and convicted for theft, burglary and first degree arson. He actually set a steamboat Springs, Colorado condo complex. That's a mouthful on fire to cover up him breaking in and robbing the complex. He was actually a plumber there. Like, he did, like, oddball fixes and stuff like that for the complex people. Um, So he had, like, firsthand knowledge of, like, possessions people had in their apartment or their condos. Um, Which is just really, like, it makes me not want to have anybody ever come into my house to fix fucking anything. Like... I kind of feel like that anyways, but that's just my paranoia. <laughs> um, so he actually, he set the complex on fire to cover up him breaking in and robbing everybody. He was caught. Wait a minute. I think I know this case. Come <laughs> <laughs> <Go> on. <laughs> um. He was caught soon after and sentenced to 11 years in prison, but he only served eight of it, I believe. Of Um, course he did, because he got out for good time served. Right? Good behavior. (laughs) Makes me so mad. Like, okay, you might have been good behavior in jail, but you're still a piece of shit who has to serve time for the stuff you did. Yes. Not cool, dude. Anyways, carry on. (laughs) So he's originally from northeastern Ohio, like, and he moved out to Colorado, like, sometime. But he moved back to Ohio, actually to Mount Vernon, which is about an hour from where I live. Um, I couldn't find an exact timetable for, like, when he moved back after getting released from prison. And I also don't know how long he was a resident of Mount Vernon before choosing to proceed with his crimes that he committed. Um, I guess the house that he picked was a little off, like, the road. It was kind of secluded with, um, like, wooded area around it. So it made it the perfect house for him. He, on November 9th, camped out in the wooded area with a sleeping bag and waited for the residents to leave the home And on November 10th, 2011, I'm sorry, 2010. I don't know why I have 2011 on. Yeah, I think, did something serious happen in 2011 that you're trying to get to? Because you keep, (laughs) I don't know. There must be something with that year. Anyways. There's got to be something. But once the home was empty, Matthew snuck into the house. He reportedly stated that he didn't find anything of value to steal but remained inside the home for about an hour or so. And then someone came home, which really threw him off his game. The homeowner, Tina Herman, and a neighbor friend, Stephanie Sprang, entered the home, 
not knowing at all what they were getting ready to walk into. Later released in a four-page letter, he wrote detailing the crime. He said, quote, I tried to just knock the first woman out, and the first woman is referring to Tina Herman, so I could escape, uh-huh. but this was not working. It was not doing the job. A second woman showed up, which was Stephanie, and things quickly spiraled uh-huh. out of control. They kept escalating, and I was panicking. End quote. So Stephanie is the second woman, like I said. He was referring... Um, I lost my spot. Oh, my God. Um, it'll be okay. Take a deep breath. I know. (laughs) It's all okay, guys. (laughs) Okay, so Stephanie, when she entered the house, was, I guess, screaming and yelling at Matthew, further provoking him, because at that point, he was only trying to knock Tina Herman out. And in that you gonna do when some strange fucking guys in your house i i don't know i don't think i would continue to go in the house i think i'd fucking turn around and go back to my car and true. leave true okay i'll give you that yeah like i don't I, I, i'm good you're in there you can have the house i'll burn it down with you in it like we'll just start <laughs> oh, over it now. Goodbye. It's nice. <laughs> um he stabbed tina in the back two times while, oh, she was, God. while she was laying face down on a bed. And Stephanie ran screaming into another room. Matthew went after her, got to her, and stabbed her multiple times in the chest. And she died, I'm assuming instantly, because... I, I'm just assuming instantly, because you'll understand why in a minute. He returned to Tina and stabbed her several more, more times, then killing her. Apparently, he wandered around the home for some time, and the reality of what he did sunk in. The family also had a dog that he said was barking too much, so he killed the poor puppy dog as well. No! No! I know. Okay, don't kill the dog. I know. Don't kill people either, but don't kill the dog. (laughs) Realizing... He couldn't I'm just... I'm sorry. I get so upset. <laughs> <laughs> like, the movies, or even... So, there was a case. There was, like, a huge um, pileup on this one car. They had their dog in the car, and the dog died. I know humans died, but, like... Oh, my God. Not the dog. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have issues. <laughs> I, I, pre- I prefer dogs and cats. Well, not cats, maybe, but dogs to, to humans. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Probably because of all the true crime I read. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Realizing he couldn't just leave the bodies there, he decided to dismember them and dispose of them in a hollow tree in the Kokosing Wildlife Area, which is about 15 minutes away from Mount Vernon. He referred to dismembering them as processing them. He did that. Oh. Yeah. He did that in the bathtub when the kids unexpectedly came home from school. Which is kind of where I'm, this takes... I, I'm sorry, in their bathtub? Like, at Tina and Stephanie's house? In their yes. bathtub or his own bathtub and his kids came home? Nope, in, in, the, in the victim's home. Oh, God. So, yeah, get ready, because it's about to get worse. Sarah Maynard was 13 years old, and Cody Maynard was 11 years old. They walked into their home to a scene from a horror movie. Sarah ran from the front door into another room, 
but Matthew killed Cody just feet inside the front door. When he came face-to-face with Sarah, he said he couldn't kill her. He took a cord from a fan and tied her up in the kitchen, and I'm pretty sure that she was blindfolded because in any report that I was reading, it never said anything about what she saw in the house, really, except for Matthew being in in the living room when they walked in. Okay. Um, he, after he tied her up and left her in the kitchen, he went back to processing the bodies of all three victims and loaded them into garbage bags and then put them in his Jeep. And he also... I, I don't know why calling it processing the bodies just makes it so much worse. Yeah. I, yeah. The whole thing's just bad. It is, but that just makes it just, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew then took Sarah back to his house and tied her hands and feet with rope and duct tape and left her on a bed of leaves in the basement. He also, um, at a, at some point took her clothes off of her and gave her like a sheet garbage bag type deal with like holes for her arms and legs um police said it was almost like a makeshift diaper what yeah i know leaving her there he left to dispose of the bodies matthew was an out-of-work tree worker so he had all the gear to climb a 60-foot tree that was hollow that he could put the bodies in And later that same day, he was found in the same parking lot that Tina's truck was discovered. Deputies talked to him about the truck, but he told him he was waiting for his girlfriend to get off of work from a nearby business. And Matthew later said that he was there to take the truck back to the home and then set the house on fire. Sound familiar? For four days straight, he kept Sarah tied to her makeshift bed and admitted to sexually assaulting her at least once. While holding Sarah hostage, he gave her the book Treasure Island to read and reportedly watched Iron Man and Iron Man 2 with her. It's even reported that Matthew was tender with her. Um, I read on one website that at Tina's home, there was a Walmart bag with a box of trash bags and a receipt. So they went to Walmart and got security footage and tracked down Matthew that way. Um, The investigators that were going over the security footage recognized his vehicle as the guy they talked to in the parking lot that day and realized it was the same guy. Footprints at the scene made them realize that Sarah was still alive, so time was important when trying to track down a missing person. They obtained a warrant and got to Matthew's house as fast as possible. The first of the SWAT team through the front door were shocked at the amount of leaves there were in his house. They said the piles were so huge they were worried there were multiple dead bodies in them. I do remember this story. Yep. (laughs) Um, I, like, I mean, he's clearly going through some stuff outside of his crime sprees, because that is a very strange way to live. People don't generally bring the outside in, but. Yeah, I know. 
But I guess like with it was every surface of like his lower level was just covered like, with leaves. So strange. Can you imagine walking into somebody's house like, oh. No, because my face always says everything that my mind is thinking. <laughs> so I wouldn't even be able to hide the what the fuck. <laughs> well, I think suspecting him of the crimes and then walking into that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he did it. Right. <laughs> this is the guy, guys. <laughs> so um, when the SWAT team went through the house, they went through the lower level and saw they found him actually sleeping on his couch. Um, they had thrown a flash grenade in to kind of, like, stun him. So that way, like, he didn't try to fight back or anything. Um, they searched the rest of the home, like, the, uh, like, the second story and the first level and didn't find anybody dead or alive. They saw that he had it pushed a stand in front of a door that they suspected led to the basement. So they moved the stand and descended into the basement. Um, only moments after walking down the stairs, they saw Sarah tied to a bed of leaves. After the police recovered her from the basement and took her upstairs, she had no idea that her mom was murdered, that her little brother was murdered, or that her mom's good friend was murdered. She oh. she was only worried about being late for school and asked police if she would take if they would take her to school. Oh no. And she asked about her dog fearing that Matthew had killed the dog. Oh no. And that that statement alone is enough to break your heart, but after a 4 days of being held captive and being sexually assaulted, the poor baby just wants to go to school. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, she's probably in shock. She's in survival mode, I'm sure, because all of it's so intense and insane. Yeah. And she probably is just, like, like craving some kind of normal anything. Yeah. You know? Ugh. Oh, the poor baby. She, when she was interviewed later... She told investigators that Matthew had cut her finger with a knife, usually kept her gagged, and said that he was going to release her just before Christmas. It was also said that he would sleep with her on his bed of leaves and, like, fall asleep, like, cuddled up to her. Like, so, he just, like, do you think he was really... I'm so confused. Like, he, he wasn't going to kill her? Or he? do you think he would have eventually? I I don't know, because he's... He was, like, keeping her like a toy. Because it's very strange, or- because with most serial killers, you know, they're incredibly intelligent. um, Very smart, but they always do something to get tripped up and they get caught. With Matthew, I think that he was just fucking insane. Because there's yeah, really no... I mean, he leaves all over his first floor, so I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> there's really, like, no rhyme or reason for any of the crimes that he's done because he didn't know them. He just picked their house because it was secluded more, you know? Like, all he wanted to do was go in and rob them, and he ends up with 
killing three people and abducting a girl and raping her. I think those are the scariest crimes to me, too, is when there is no, like, you have no link to that person. There's no reason for them to have chosen you. It's just a crime of opportunity. And so it could happen to anybody. Right. At any time. Like, I think those are, those are the crimes that scare me the most. Yeah. Psychologists said that his um, collection of leaves were indication of a mental illness. No shit. Um, yeah. and that, I agree with that. <laughs> I don't have my PhD, but I think they're onto something. And that his obsess- obsession with leaves and trees was bizarre and unique from other convicted murderers. I mean, hobbies are good. <laughs> Documents released by police taped hours and hours of interviews with him. Um, and all, he never said anything. He would give them like one word responses, but never really gave them anything to go on. He actually had a dream that prompted him to confess. In his dream, he was at a food processing plant and opened uh and opened a trash bag and saw all the chopped up body parts of the people he had murdered. And he originally asked detectives if... If he confessed and they let him fake an escape and shoot him, he would tell them where the bodies were. Because at that point, they hadn't found the other bodies. Wait, if he confessed? If he, like, said, yes, I did it. This is where you're going to find them. Now let me fake fake escape so you can just shoot me and kill me. Oh. Like, that's yeah, what... I think that's how law enforcement works, though. Right. <laughs> Um, so they turned down, obviously. <laughs> That's oh. super weird. <laughs> but he, I mean, um, well, let's say that based on some of the interesting police work I've seen lately, I'm kind of surprised they didn't go along with it, but okay. <laughs> he actually wrote a four page confession detailing oh. the crimes with the location of the bodies in the tree. For his confession, the death penalty was off the table, so he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Oddly, when police were searching his house, they only found popsicles and two dead squirrels in his freezers, which neighbors later said that he never, I don't know how neighbors knew this really, but said that he never went to the grocery store, never bought anything. Um, but would sit out in his backyard and kill squirrels and skin them and eat them. Like, that's what the man lived on. Oh, that sounds delightful. Yeah. Like, so, raw? Or do you build fires and cook that? Like, uh, I, uh. <laughs> I'm just going to tell myself that he built a little campfire in his backyard and put the squirrel on a stick and just roasted it over a fire. <laughs> I agree with that because that's a scenario that lets me sleep tonight a little bit. <laughs> Um, but so after the trial and everything has ended, um, two years later, Sarah had actually shortly after the crimes moved in with her father and stepmother. Um, but in, I believe it was May of 2013, Sarah's father punched her in the back and on May 3rd, Oh, that was on May 3rd. And five days later, her stepmother actually kicked Sarah down the stairs. 
Um, both of them went to court. I didn't see the outcome from it. I couldn't find that anywhere. Um, Sarah requested that a restraining order be placed against them. And probably, so she's still a minor, right? At the time, she how many years, how long after this is this? She would have she would have been fifteen with her dad and stepmother, but she was thirteen yeah. when the crimes were committed against her mom That's and everything. Cool. The stuff with her mom and stepdad, and I'm sure a lot of this even is probably, um. Like not available for public, right? Because she she is a minor still, yeah. Or then she was so. Social workers <sighs> ended up taking Sarah and her two half brothers, who were seven and three, and they were to live with a relative. Now it didn't tell me which relative they were living with. Um, it was just it was very vague, and like you said, it you know their records could be sealed since they were minors at that point. Yeah. Um, but this poor girl, this so poor girl, like I can't, I can't imagine. But she was. I want her dad's name. Like I really want to kind of punch him in the face. His name is Larry. Okay, Larry. Larry what? Maynard. <laughs> <laughs> um, she actually. I know somebody with that last name. I wonder if they're related. I have to find out. <laughs> she actually Maynard. appeared on Doctor Phil. I think like a year, oh, really? a year after the the murders, um, huh? but it was it later came out that her dad was just using her to try to gain money. money. From oh, the God, whole- so your kid goes through this traumatic thing. She's sexually assaulted. She's tortured and kidnapped and held captive for however however Four long days. it is, and then you get her back, and instead of trying to help her overcome it all and heal from it, losing her mother, losing her brother, and everything else she went through, you use her as some kind of cash cow? Like, what kind of sick fucking mentality? He's almost just as bad as the guy that did all this because, like, there's just... Where, why do none of these people have a conscience? <laughs> what am I missing? I mean, Ugh. you always make fun of me for living in Ohio, so we can just blame that. That's cool. I'm good with that. <laughs> Sorry, Ohio listeners. <laughs> oh, God. But that's all I have on that. Um, God, it's just fucking horrible. Like, I remember as the news broke with that. Because, I mean, I graduated in 2007 and it happened in 2010. And at that point, that was when I had my oldest child. So I was only living a half hour away from that happened at the time. Oh, God. Right? Like, I was terrified that something was going to happen in the time that, like, between, like, when it happened and when they caught him. Because, you know, uh-huh. we, we weren't that far away from it. So I was super paranoid. But I mean, there's only five houses within 10 miles. So. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to get that in there. <laughs> Oh I used to. Well, I, it's okay because I live out in the boonies now, too. Oh, my uh, God. Your boonies and my boonies are too... Oh, see, there's farms. <laughs> I don't believe like, it. I, I used to make fun of you for living on a farm, and now I legit... I don't live on, on a farm. I live in, like, a subdivision with a lot of houses, but just outside 
like a block away from me there's farms and like a lot of the roads are like just one house here and there it's crazy oh my god so now i'm living in the illinois version of ohio (laughs) oh man so all right well i think we could use a, a little break from the serious did you have you seen i mean uh maybe this isn't a break from the serious but have you seen joker I have not, actually. Okay, I'm going to need you to go see that. Okay. Immediately, so that we can discuss it. I, so when I saw the movie, afterwards, I didn't even know what I thought of it. I t- it, ha- it took me a while to, like, process it, and now that I've had time to process it, I kind of want to go see it again. I wasn't, it was like, Joaquin Phoenix's acting was amazing. The storyline for Joker, I thought, was pretty amazing, and definitely, like, a original it was very original for joker's storyline but it was very it was dark and it was a little depressing even for me (laughs) (laughs) no it was a little but it was really good i i did like it i think i want to see it again i think it made mental illness a discussion in a real way um because it kind of shows jokers uh, i don't want to give anything away but it it explains why joker is the way he is and i think it did it in a great way to really bring mental illness into the light now into that people should be like thinking about some of the things that we brush under the table. So did you at any point want to walk out of the theater? Because I read a lot of like articles saying that tons and tons of people left because they couldn't handle it. Oh, um, I didn't. And nobody in our theater left. Um, I will say when I went to see it, so our theater just made a change and I was on edge the entire time (laughs) of the movie because we get there and that day the theater had made a change that you could only bring a purse that was like a certain size so I had to go put my purse in the trunk and I wasn't happy about that because I got my my snacks and my water bottle in there but that's beside the point but it was basically so that people couldn't bring in a weapon and I'm thinking in my head okay first of all if I'm bringing a weapon into a theater, it's not in my purse. How many mass murders in theaters or anywhere has happened because somebody brought a weapon in their purse? <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a little goofy to me. But then also there's like cops at the front. And it was because there had been threats of people shooting up theaters where Joker was playing. So with the purse thing and the police and then we get in the theater and there I chose the seat I chose it was just me and my husband and I chose the seat I chose because there was just one single seat next to me so I'm thinking great I got like a purse seat I got extra room but right before the movie's gonna start this huge dude (laughs) in a black coat and a beanie walks in and sits down next to me and he says to and I didn't know if he was talking to me I'm like is he meeting his friends next to us he goes, hey, neighbor, 
And he sits down next to me. And I'm in shock. <laughs> I don't even respond because I'm like, is he talking to me? Is he talking to them? And now I'm nervous. Like, he's going to shoot me first. And he's going to shoot Because <laughs> I'm already on edge from the police and the curse and all that stuff. So I'm like, the whole movie, I was like, are we going to die? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it turned out okay. I'm so glad. I'm still here. Everybody's, everybody made it out. And <laughs> nobody left the theater during the movie that I noticed. I don't think um but i've read mostly good reviews for people i know about the movie but it was kind of rough it was kind of depressing a little bit yeah but also i thought interesting and i'd recommend it to the right kind of person i think you would enjoy it i think you should go see it so i'll do that this weekend then Speaking of movies, so my daughter was super upset that we went to see Joker because she's super into like Marvel Universe. That's her and my husband's things. She loves comic books, but there's obviously certain ones she can't go see. Like obviously would let her see Deadpool and this was one of them. But over the summer, we have been, um, I've like introduced them to all the movies that I watched as a kid. And I'm realizing pretty much every movie that I put on kids that I watch movies I watched as a kid in the eighties and nineties are super inappropriate <laughs> for my kids to be watching. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we watched Sandlot, which wasn't one of the ones that I'm talking about. Like that's such a great she movie. It, she did not want to watch Sandlot. And I was like, Ava, I'm telling you, it's gonna be a movie you like. It's so good. And even after we watch it, she loved it, but she would not admit it because she's stubborn <laughs> like me. <laughs> um, but, but like so, like, even Dirty Dancing, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, I actually just recorded Sister Act to watch with them. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I know. Well, I just happened to think of it because I saw Whoopi Goldberg, and then I was like, oh, yeah, my kids have never seen Sister Act. But now I'm worried, like, I bet you it's not appropriate. But then I think, like, when I was a kid, I didn't get the things that were inappropriate, so maybe they won't either. Yeah, but we didn't. Hopefully they're smarter than i was as a kid. <laughs> we also didn't have the internet at our fingertips when we were kids yeah. and i feel like things weren't really rated like they are now either no not I don't at know. all yeah i'm completely wrong about that but mm. so guess yeah. what i did a couple days ago what's up i went and got my nipples pierced oh my goodness that is not child appropriate <laughs> oh by the way Anybody who listens to this podcast, don't listen with your kids, please. It is not for them. No, n- between our mouths and the shit that we discuss on here, no, keep the babies away. <laughs> Man, I thought I was being uh, a risque when I pierced my nose over the summer, and here, here we are. Well, you have two nose piercings, right? Um, I actually took my septum out last year, uh, so I, oh, okay. I put that the so little side note about me i am really fucking um what's the word i'm looking for oh my god tattooed and pierced (laughs) not that i mean that too but like when it comes when it comes to like the jewelry that i buy for my my piercings i don't Uh i don't skimp on it like i want real gold i want what i want and you know yeah I have the money to yeah, buy it, I so have titanium in my nose because I was afraid of any kind of reaction. So I get it. Right. So everybody makes fun of me because I spend a lot of money on my jewelry because I don't like 
to get it pierced and then go back and get the jewelry changed. So I just buy the good jewelry, to, like, right off the bat. But yeah. I, I put the piece that was in my septum in my dace. And then um, I have... That's the middle earpiece, right, that is supposed to help prevent migraines? Yes, and it doesn't work. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. That, that was my next question. Go on. Yeah, I have my, my philtrum pierced, which is that space in between your nose and the top of your lip. Um, I have my industrial done and a couple other ones. And I'm up to 19 tattoos now. I actually staff cannot go through the metal detectors at the yeah, airport because no. she will set them up. Like, how do you can and, you go through the like? Do you have to take all your stuff out? No, I go through, but um, I just get like the wand afterwards. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I just got a tattoo. Oh God, a couple weeks ago now. It's uh, the guy who I go to here in Bucyrus. His name is Brenton, and he's got a gumball machine. It's called a Get What You Get. And so, yeah, (laughs) I decided to take my chances with it, and I got Uh a fucking tomahawk. Oh, I'm going to need a picture of that. You know what? Post that on uh, Instagram. I want to see it. Okay. I'll do that as soon as we're done recording. Before the episode comes out, you need to post it on there. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I, I got this tomahawk. And is it good or bad? Are we are we happy or sad? No, we're happy about it. But it, okay, because I mean, I just didn't really know what to expect when I picked up the the little you know gumball thing that f- falls down or anything. Uh-huh. And so weird story. Um, you know, I mentioned in episode one that my dad had passed this summer, but oh. the year leading up to him passing, he was actually making tomahawks. Oh, what? Yes. He, Ooh, we have ghost stories now for our podcast. So <laughs> he, he, every time I would go over there, he would take me out to the garage and show me every, everything that he was working on. And he always had like five tomahawks hanging from the ceiling, drying with paint. And it just, it cracked me up because, you know, he was 81. So he had to have some kind of a hobby, but like he fucking chose to make tomahawks. I don't know why that gives me chills. Like, legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all in my feels right now. So, Ugh. when I opened up the thing and it was a tomahawk, I laughed. And I gave it to Brett, and he was like, a tomahawk, huh? And I was like, yeah. And so, we get into his little booth area. And I told him, I was like, so, funny story. And I told him about my dad. And he told me that almost every person that has gotten a get what you get has some kind of story that goes with the the tattoo that comes out for them. Oh. So, do you... Okay, how does this work? So, you put a quarter in the gumball machine? Yep. Or how does this... Okay, and then you get... You get what comes out? Yep, you get... You can do a re-roll. So, okay. the base price for the get what you get is $80. Okay. Um, and then he gives you a quarter to do your roll or whatever. And if you don't... Uh-huh. So you have to pay for it before you can get to... Yeah. Um, but if okay. you don't like what you get, you can do, like, a re-roll, but it's just an extra $20 to, okay. to put it back and do it again. Yeah. But, yeah. But I'm I'm really happy with it. It's not something I would have picked out of a book for myself, 
but if I've, you know, I, I begged my dad for some kind of sign telling me that he was okay, and that was my sign that dad was fine, because... That's kind of amazing. Right? So, uh, it's like a memorial tattoo, but it really was like a get what you get tattoo. <laughs> yeah, because I already got my memorial tattoo for him because, you know, I have my mom and dad, both of their handwritings tattooed on me with, yeah. with it saying, I love you on it. So it's kind of strange. No, that's, yeah, that's actually, so I found, I don't know, me and my mom have been discussing for a long time getting hummingbirds. We've been going back and forth and back and forth for my grandma that passed away. And I finally found something that actually had my grandmother's handwriting, a a letter or a card that she had written that I was just going to get. I don't know. I've been going back and forth her handwriting as like the stem of a flower and then the hummingbird in it or something. I don't know. I've been going back and forth, but that's my next tattoo venture. But I don't have a lot of tattoos like stuff. And I also don't have very many piercings. (laughs) No, but that's okay. I still love you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. In the future, not too many, but a few. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. I, my husband has enough tattoos for both of us anyways. Let's be real. Right. I was, tattoos <laughs> just aren't really, like, your thing. Uh, I mean, I have two, and that's one or two more I could see, but that's about it. Yeah. So... Okay. Yeah, so we'll see. Anyways, anything else that we want to discuss completely off topic, even though I absolutely love that story about the tattoo? I feel like it's, that's an amazing sign. That's a really cool story. And I'm surprised you haven't told me that before, actually. I, you Until, know, no, I'm glad you saved it, though. I know. I, I got your natural reaction with it, so it's good. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, it literally, that gave me chills. That's awesome. I wish... I felt like, well, actually, okay, so I will say it wasn't a tattoo, but when my grandma had passed, she was a bird watcher, so I had, and she was huge into flowers and stuff, and but she had, um, I mean, either she was a creep, <laughs> or, or she was legitimately a bird watcher, because she had um, binoculars. Oh my god. They were always by, <laughs> they were always by her, um, on the table next to her recliner. And so I have those, I have like a table with a bunch of her stuff on it. But anyways, after she had passed away, all of a sudden there was this freaking bird that would always tap on the glass of my <laughs> kitchen window at my old place. And it was like, like all the time, like it happened for a long time after she passed. So I kind of hoped that that was my sign from her, but I don't know. Who knows? Right. It was just strange. <laughs> so. Man. I mean, she, it's very possible she was also just nosy like her granddaughter. But. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I wouldn't put that. I, I wouldn't put that past her. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Crime Fanatics, thank you for joining us again. That is a wrap on our third episode, and we appreciate the shit out of all of you. I hope that you will join us again for our fourth episode and our fifth and our sixth and so on. Um, do me a favor and don't bring the leaves into your house. (laughs) Don't be creepy. Yeah. I mean, binoculars are cool, though, if you're a bird. (laughs) Or if you're, you know, just nosy. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, hey, you don't have to call it that. You could just be a bird watcher. I'm a bird watcher. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> all right. Don't kidnap anybody and don't put them in trees and don't process bodies because that's even worse than just the regular old killing of people. That's yeah. Awful. Let's just not do that. <laughs> Stay safe, everybody. Bye.